Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hi there, and uh, uh, may the Lord bless you during this time in South Africa. We are in our we were a couple of weeks into lockdown because of um, the coronavirus, and uh, as we as South Africans often do, we <laughs> when we uh, worried or concerned about things, we joke about them, and uh, you know so there are many. You know, coronavirus pick up lines like, if the coronavirus doesn't take you out, can I, you know. And uh, I heard a, of a guy who um, worked very hard and then, you know, came home with lockdown, spent all his time at home uh, on forced unpaid leave. And uh, there was this uh, uh, beautiful woman, you know, in the house with him. And, you know, as he was sitting around there wondering what to do with himself, he started to talk to her and he realized she's actually quite nice and he really likes her and turns out was his wife <laughs> and um, I hope at this time um, you know whether you like us South Africans and you joke about things that are a bit um, scary and concerning or or however you deal with it um, I hope I hope uh, you are dealing with it and um, that uh, you are also experiencing that there's more family time there's family bonds are being restored and and reunited at this time I want to share with you uh, a story from the life of David. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And why I think this story is really relevant for us at this time is because it's, um, it's a story about dealing with loss. How do we deal with loss? And uh, David and his mighty men in this story suffer severe loss. And they have to deal with it. And I think at this time, uh, many people are suffering loss. Uh, whether it's the, the loss of our peace and, and we feel anxious. Uh, for some of us, it's many of us, it's the loss of our freedom. In South Africa, we're under lockdown. And I think probably about a third of the world at least is, is under lockdown. Um, maybe it's loss of income. Maybe even uh, for some people, it's loss of family, loss of loved ones, as David suffered in, in, in the story. So without further ado, let's let's read the story. I'm reading from the ESV in 1 Samuel 30 from verse 1 to about 25. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They came. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and his peop- uh, and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, uh, Nabal uh, of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were, uh, were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, son of uh, Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? 
Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall, uh, shall surely uh, rescue. So David set out uh, and uh, the, the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook uh, Bezor, where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 uh, men, 200 stay behind, who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. They found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him, uh, him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate. They gave him water to drink. And they gave him a piece of cake uh, of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit was uh, his spirit revived, for he had not eaten bread or drunk drunk water for three days and three nights. And David said to him, "To whom do you belong, and where are you from?" He said, "I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. We had uh, made a raid against the Negev and the the." Cherethites, and against those which belonged to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Will you take me down uh, to this band, this raiding party? And he said, swear to, swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me to, into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And David struck them down from twilight until the evening of the next day. And not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, This is David's spoil. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and uh, who had left, um, who had been left at the brook Bezor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and his children and depart. But David said, You shall not do so, my brothers, with what the Lord has given us. He has preserved us and given into our hand the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter? For as his share is... Whom goes down into the battle, so shall he share be who stays uh, by the baggage. They shall share alike. And he made it a statute and a rule for Israel from that day forward to this day.
And um, uh, interesting story, uh, uh, a powerful story, a powerful piece of scripture. Uh, just telling the story of David and, and how he suffers great loss and how he deals with that with that loss. And the first thing I, I just want you to notice is that David David suffers loss, and, and we can relate to that. We all of us have, to some extent or another, suffered loss. Maybe not to the extent that David and his men did. But all of us have suffered loss. Um, many of you might know that sinking feeling when you, you come out of the mall or something and you can't find your car and first you think, oh man, I must have forgotten where I parked it. And you start looking around the parking lot and eventually it sort of you sort of realize, oh no, you know, with that sinking feeling, it's been stolen. My, my car's been stolen. And we, we know that sinking feeling. Now obviously if you take that and multiply it by by a hundred, uh, you, you're not even close to what David and, and his men felt uh, because they came home and their homes were burned and their families were taken. Um, in fact, one of my, my favorite movies, and I think probably all dads who have, who have daughters um, love this movie, is a movie by Liam Neeson called Taken. Uh, and it's a movie where his daughter gets taken, hence the name. And um, in the movie... There's the scene just after the these human guys in the human trafficking syndicate take his daughter. We're speaking to over the phone with one, and he says, "You know, if you let my daughter daughter go, you know, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't, I will find you. Um, I, I will pursue you. I will find you, and I will kill you. And uh, you know, when when you think of you know losing your family, you know, having your house burned down, arriving home, having your house burned down, your family taken, your wife, your children." Uh, it makes you want to go, you know, full, you know, taken Liam Neeson on 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 the bad guys, and um, we can relate. We can relate to their anguish, and we can relate to their anger as well uh, when they discover what has happened. And and it's interesting. The the response is 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 very much the normal human response um, that we all have. Firstly, they 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 weep. Um, and they, and they 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 in deep distress and and you can you can sort of see the some of the elements of the grief cycle you know they they tell us that we deal with grief uh, firstly with denial then with um, with anger um, you know then then with uh, bargaining then with despair or, or depression and, and eventually with with acceptance um, and and you can you you can. You can see here yeah, they they start and they they deeply distressed. They the first thing they they do is they start weeping until they they've just wept out all their strength. They have no more strength to weep. Uh, they just they just um, spend their emotions, uh, and then you know the anger sets in, and 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 the men, David's own men, his own mighty men, his loyal followers, speak about stoning him. They're just so distressed, and and that also is, is sort of a natural response to loss and. Um, and to distress, where we want to find someone to blame, we want to find someone to take it out on. And like David's men, you know, sometimes we we just take it out on whoever is close at hand, whoever is 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 there, whoever, and often that ends up being our nearest and dearest, and and our, our families whom we love so much end up, you know, suffering uh, because we've lost our job or we've, you know, whatever lost money or um, another thing that 
you know, if, if we don't take it out on our nearest and dearest, on our families, we often end up taking it out on God and, and saying, you know, God, where are you? Where were you uh, in this situation? And sort of uh, waving our fist at God. And, and I think at this time as well, many people are asking that question, you know, God, with, with coronavirus and, and all that going on, where are you? Where are you in all this suffering? Where are you in all of this, this death? And and that's the nam- natural and and normal human response that that we all know and that we all expect and and that we all um, fall into. Uh, but we also see David responding differently from his men uh, in some ways, and and we see sort of his ideal response. And and I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. Um, we see that it says. Um, but at the end of the verse, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And a question is, do we as, as, as modern followers of the Lord, do we as, as Christians know, like David knew, how to, in times of distress, in times of terror, in times of loss, um, in times of anguish, do we know how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And and if you want to know how to do that, you can just read the Psalms. The Psalms show us how David did just that. How he strengthened himself in the Lord. In fact, let me let me just give you one example. You know, um, there are literally dozens of examples uh in the Psalms of David doing this. Um but but let me just give you one example. This is Psalm 34 and I'm just going to read three verses from verse 17 to 19. Um, where it says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And remember, David and his, and his men were crushed in soul, crushed in spirit. Um, uh, and, and then it says in verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And and just a few steps that, that I would... Um, sort of want to highlight of how David strengthened himself in the Lord is number one he reminded himself of the word of the Lord uh, and another example which which sort of highlights this uh, from another time in David's life is is Psalm 56 where David says be gracious to me O God for, for man tramples on me all day long uh, an attacker oppresses me my enemy tramples on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And and we, and we see here that uh, David explicitly says, uh, in, in God whose word I praise, in God I put my trust. Uh, and the first thing that he did is he reminded himself of God's word. Uh, the Psalms are often just um, confessions of God's word, praying of God's word, meditating on God's word. So the first thing he did was uh, he, would, he would remind himself of, of God's word. The second thing he would do is he'd meditate on God's word. He'll say, okay, what does this mean to me? What does uh, God's word, his promises and his character, what, what do they mean to me? How do, do they apply in my life? And he'd often speak to himself at this time and say, be still my soul and know that he is God. Be still my soul and know that he is faithful. I will yet hope in him. Um, so meditating on the Lord, including not only um, 
reading the word of the Lord, reading his promises, reminding himself of God's character as revealed in his word, but actually speaking to himself about the word of the Lord and how it applies to him uh, as well. And often we have to do that. Uh, as Christians, we, if we want to strengthen ourselves in, in the Lord, we have to speak the word of God, the promises of God, remind ourselves of the character of God. Then we have to speak to ourselves, but then we also have to speak to God. Uh, almost all the Psalms are prayers, or at least part of them are prayers to the Lord, where we, we don't only speak the word of God to ourselves and meditate on the word of the Lord, but we also pray the word of the Lord into our hearts and into our lives. And, and David often does that. He prays and praises the, Lord, the, the word of the Lord into his life. He, he reminds himself who God is and, and, and he appeals to God as he reveals himself in his word. And then he goes out and he obeys what uh, God God has showed him in the word. So, um, you know, reading the word, reminding himself of the word, God's promises, God's character, all of that, uh, meditating on the word, praying the word and obeying the word. And, and all of that is part of how David would strengthen himself in the Lord. And, you know, we have a choice when we suffer loss, when we're in times of anguish, or when we're in times of despair, we have a choice. Are we going to lash out at the people around us? Um, or are we going to go to the Lord? And maybe one thing I can add to those four things that I mentioned. Um, often before even the, David reminded himself of the word of the Lord or meditated and or prayed it or obeyed it, he would often just vent to the Lord. He would often just spend his emotion before the Lord. He would often just say, God, where are you? <laughs> it sounds like you're silent. Uh, yeah, and... and and God's fine with that. God, God, I mean, the Psalms show us that God does not want us to filter our prayers before we pray them to Him. He doesn't want us to filter our emotions. And we can come and, and bring our unfiltered emotions uh, to Him. Uh, I think it was Tim Keller who refers to, to some of the prayers of the Psalms as, as um, um, pre-reflective uh, outbursts. Of emotion to the Lord, pre-reflective outbursts uh, to the Lord. Uh, you know, it's childlike prayers. You know, child don't, children don't have filters, and 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 David often, you know, he, he prays things in such a way that you wonder, David, you know, are, are you even allowed to pray like that? And um, so he'd, he'd come and just vent before the Lord, and then he'd start, you know, taking, reminding himself of the Word and the promises and the character of God, and meditating and praying it and then going out and obeying it but he'll, he'll strengthen himself so 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 the first step that we learn from david is we must strengthen ourselves uh in the lord and that's the probably the main one i want to highlight tonight but i have a few others that i also just want to mention secondly we must seek guidance of the lord and, and we see david remember david was the king um he was not yet on the throne in other words he was not he was the unrecognized king but he'd already been anointed as king even though Saul was still sitting on the throne so he was the unrecognized king at that stage and he comes to to Abiathar the the high priest um and um he says to him you know Abiathar bring the ephod which was the the that that plate sort of breastplate thing a garment with a breastplate in that had 12 different stones on representing the 12 tribes of Israel because the high priest had to carry the, the nation on his heart basically 
And um, he said, bring the ephod. And the reason he said, uh, David said to him, bring the ephod, and he does a similar thing in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23, um, is, is because he wants to inquire from the Lord. And in the ephod, there was this thing, you can go and read in the law um, of Moses, uh, that's referred to, it's, it's basically a lot that, that you could cast, that, that basically just gave a yes or no answer. It was called the, the Urum and Thummim. A very weird name. But it's basically just a lot that you could cast uh, where you could inquire from the Lord and the high priest, uh, in the presence of the high priest, the high priest could cast a lot and, and then give you the answer, the yes or no answer. And you'll see the questions he asks um, are, are yes or no um, questions. And he says, get the ephod, David inquired from the Lord, shall I pursue after the band? Yes or no answer. Shall I overtake them? Yes or no answer. And, and the answer in both cases are yes. Pursue, yes, pursue, and yes, you will surely overtake, and you, should, you will surely rescue. Likewise, we should inquire from the Lord. Uh, we should, we often enter situations that are uncertain, that are unstable, that are outside of our control, but nothing is outside of God's control. That are outside uh, situations that are outside of our power, but but we we must remind ourselves that nothing is outside of God's power, and and therefore we must go to the Lord and then inquire from Him, Lord, what must we do? And it's interesting, just if I can pull it through to us as Christians, the Urim and Thummim is mentioned in the Law of Moses. It's used by people like David um, throughout the Old Testament, um, and the last time we see lots being cast. In the Bible is in the in in the New Testament in the in Acts chapter one, where they are choosing a replacement for Judas just after he committed suicide, and it's interesting that the the last time we see the lots, basically the Urum and Thummim being used, is just before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. After that, I cannot find anywhere where the casting of lots is ever used again. And it's as though the Urum and Thummim, this casting of lots thing that David does as he inquires of the Lord, is in a sense in the new covenant, under the new covenant, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, replaced with the Holy Spirit. And from then on we have the language of those who are the son, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Later on in Acts, for example, in what was it, Acts chapter 16, I think, we have a situation where, where Paul and his companions are, are going up, um, I think they first want to go east and then north, and, and, and it says that the Spirit of of Jesus would not allow us to. And then um, as they sleep, Paul receives what, what we refer to now as the Macedonian call, with, where men from Macedonia come to him and say in, in the dream, please come and help us. And they interpret it as a, as, as a word from the Lord, the Spirit of Jesus leading them to, Mace- to go to Macedonia. And they do. And, and you know, Paul's mission, missionary journeys happen. He plants churches and, and makes disciples. Um, and so... When we as, as, as Christians under the new covenant, when we want to inquire of the Lord, it means um, hearing from the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that's something we have to practice. All of us, if, if you're a child of God, then you can hear from the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts, uh, Romans 8, uh, what's it, verse, verse 14, I think. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In other words, that is that's what characterizes us. That that we that we ha- firstly have the spirit of God, according to Romans eight verse nine, and secondly that we can follow and hear the spirit of God. Um, but it also takes practice because we come out of a world in which 
we're not used to hearing the voice of the Lord. So it, 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 it takes a lifestyle of listening to the Spirit, hearing the Spirit, being sensitive and responsive to the Spirit of the Lord. So that when push comes to shove, we can inquire from Him and He can, he can speak to us and, and lead us. Um, so strengthen yourself in the Lord. Seek the, the guidance of the Lord. Thirdly, surrender the outcome to the Lord. Just the mere fact that, that David comes to the Lord, he doesn't try and control the outcome. He hears from the Lord, Lord, what, what is the outcome that you are going to give? I, I'm not in control of this outcome. It's, it's not in my circle, my little circle of control. It's not even in my circle of, of, of well, in some sense you could say it's in his circle of influence. But it's, it's under Lord, it's under your control. Um, I'm not in control of it. It's under your control. Um, and and he sort of surrenders the outcome to the Lord and said, Lord, what is the outcome that you are going to give in this? Should I pursue? Uh, will, will I will I overtake them? Will I be able to rescue uh, rescue them? And and this is so important. A, a lot of our anxiety comes from the fact that we try and control things that are outside of our control. And. Um, I always think about uh, in South Africa we, we love rugby a lot and and you know when someone scores a try when they get a penalty they they put the that rugby ball on a tee and they have to kick it through the goalpost and um, so often we're like you know that that fly off or, or whoever is kicking the ball uh, we want to control whether the ball goes through the goalpost but we can't actually what we can control is we can control. Um, you know, the steps that we take, we can control our run-up, we can control our thoughts and our breathing, we can control, um, you know, the lift of um, and the swing through, uh, you know, as we kick the ball, uh, our follow-through, we can control our aim, all of that stuff we can control. But, you know, what happens when the, after the ball leaves your foot, you cannot control that anymore. And, and likewise, um, we should control the things that we can which is basically just being obedient to the Lord and, and, and doing things according to the, the will of the Lord and the word of the Lord. Um, but then we should surrender the outcome to the Lord because we cannot control the outcome. It's when we start trying to control the outcome that we really get anxious and, and um, you know, lose our peace. So the third thing that we should do and that we learn from David is that we should surrender the outcome to the Lord. Especially in situations like this, you know, when, when there's lockdown, when coronavirus is going around, uh, when there's a lot of anxiety and all that kind of stuff, uh, we should surrender the outcome to the Lord and just rest in Him. Fourth thing that we should do is see the signposts of the Lord. Now, this is an interesting one because um, in the second one, we, we spoke about seek, we must seek the guidance of the Lord. And, and there David basically supernaturally hears from the Lord in a situation that is not... Basically, not covered in Scripture, and we likewise in situations like this. Obviously, when when Scripture covers an issue, we should obey Scripture, and you know we we maybe don't need any further guidance. But when it's something that you know should should I pursue? Will I overtake? Will I rescue? You know things that are not covered in Scripture explicitly, then we can hear from the Lord uh, prophetically. Um, and He can speak to us outside of Scripture and speak to us supernaturally. You know, like the supernatural guidance that He gave. David in this situation but it's interesting um, David also meets this Egyptian slave or, or servant along the way and it's it's clear that that this guy I think clear from the story that this guy was in a sense providentially left there by the Lord in order to be a guide to David and his and his and his men and why I say that is 
this guy became so sick. No, he was a young man, but he became so sick that he couldn't travel with this raiding party anymore. And they, they just left him. He's, he's a Malachite master. You know, as soon as he lost his usefulness, he was sick. So he's no longer useful to us. He's just weighing us down. They just dumped him. This Malachite master just abandoned him without any food or water, which is harsh, really harsh. And this guy, already being sick, was left out in the open with no shelter, no food, no water, and he survived for three days. Now, if that's not the Lord, then I don't know what is. Clearly, the Lord in his providence left this guy here so that David and his men could find him and so that he could lead them to their Malachite raiding party. So we have the situation where the Lord leads the, starts by leading the, the David supernaturally, giving him supernatural guidance. But then along the road, he also gives him natural guidance. And that's why I say we must see the signposts of the Lord and that he leaves there. And it's interesting, this guy is a, is, is a guy who helped actually burn Ziklag and, and raid uh, David. He was part of the raiding party who raided David's um, uh, camp and, 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 and who took their families. And, and, and if you just look at the kindness that David shows him, gives him food and water, basically saves his life, uh, gives him you know a cake of, of figs and, and some bread and uh, some water and stuff, helps him to restore his strength. And then he, he asks him, you know, who's are you? Who do you belong to? It was clear, maybe there was some sign upon him, you know, tattoo or mark that, that marked him out of as, as a slave or a servant. Uh, who do you belong to and uh, where are you from? And, and then he says, I'm an Egyptian. And uh, my Malachite master, you know, when I got sick, they just abandoned me. Uh, and then he says, you know, will you take us to the, the raiding party to this band who, who, who raided our camp? Uh, and the guy said, you know, swear before God that you won't kill me or hand me over to my master and then I'll take you. And, and he actually does that. And, and we also need to see the signpost that the Lord, the natural signpost that the Lord leaves for us uh, along the way. That's the fourth thing. Fifth thing is... Um, Sing the praises of the Lord. And, and it's interesting, you know, how um, how David, um, when, when, they, um, when they'd won the, the battle, when they'd taken the plunder, how some of the men say, you know, we're not going to share the plunder. Uh, but David says, um, no, we will not do this with what the Lord has given us. Um with what the Lord has given us, uh, He has preserved us uh, and given us into uh, and given into our hand the band or the raiding party that came against us. That's in verse twenty-three. In this situation, He gives honor to the Lord and He said, "Even though we fought the battle, even though we ran, pursued the enemy, ran after them, fought against them from twilight, uh, the one day until you know uh, sundown, uh, the evening of the next day, the Lord actually gave us the plunder." He actually protected us in this battle and he actually handed these guys over into our hands. And, and he gives praise to the Lord. He sings, sings praise to the Lord. And, and we should do likewise. Furthermore, uh, he says uh, to the guys, no, everyone shares in the plunder. The guys who stayed with the baggage, the guys who stayed behind, and the guys. Uh, and, and remember, these guys stayed behind because they were too exhausted. They couldn't keep up. And maybe they were, were strong guys, but they weren't necessarily fit, you know, and, and they couldn't run that far. And they, they'd already. They'd been in a battle, and then they'd marched three days to Ziklag. So they were really tired when they arrived there, and then they had to run and pursue this, this raiding party. So you can understand that they were, were tired and, and, and worn out. Uh, and some of the guys, 200 of the 600 mighty men, just couldn't keep up. Um, and David says, you know, those who go into battle 
will share all the plunder with those, um, even those who stay behind and, and, who, and who couldn't make it into the battle. And, and we'll see just now how, how that is very important. Um, and then the final thing that we need to see, the, the sort of, seven, I think it's the seventh thing. Let me just recap. Um, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Seek the guidance of the Lord. Um, surrender the outcome to the Lord. See the signposts of the Lord. Sing the praises of the Lord. Share the plunder of the Lord, which the Lord had given you. And then the last one I want to share, and this is sort of a, basically a separate point, my, my third main point is see the Savior of the Lord. Because we see David's ideal response, and we know we don't always respond ideally like that. Often, our response is a lot more like David's men. You know, when we suffer loss, we just look, we, we weep, and we, 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 we complain, and we cry, which is very natural and actually a good thing. We should express our emotions. We, we, we spend our emotions, and, and, and we should do that. But then often we also respond wrongly like David's men and we're looking for someone to blame. We're looking for someone to, to sort of vent on and, and take it out on, you know, like David's men wanted to stone David. And um, our response is not ideal. And we need someone like David. When, uh, when we are not able to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, we need someone like David who can, a leader who can lead us in doing that. Because David takes those men who respond r- incorrectly and, and we're like them. More often than not, we're not like David. We, 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 like, we like them. Um, and, and we need a leader who can, like David, strengthen himself in the Lord, seek the face of the Lord, and lead um, us in the right direction. And we know, obviously, that, that David points imperfectly, but he points towards the, 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 the true and ultimate David, who is actually called the son of David, Jesus Christ who came uh, hundreds of years later uh, and was often in the Gospels called the son of David. And it's interesting, just like David was the unrecognized king of Israel at that time. So um, when Jesus came, he was the unrecognized king of the world. And when he died, he died with a crown, but the crown of thorns on his head. And written above his head was the king of the Jews. Um, Sort of almost ironically or sarcastically recognized as king. So he was the unrecognized king and um, who, who who does strengthen himself in the Lord. When, when we're sort of losing our cool and, and, and don't know what to do, when we're weak, then he is strong. You know, the worst battle of all, the battle of death. And and it's a battle we all go through. You know, we, so often we, we, we think, oh, you know, coronavirus, you know, we, we could die. The reality is we're all going to die in any case. Uh, it might not be now it not, might not be immediately but death is not um, only a possibility to us death is a certainty the mortality rate is still a hundred percent and um, it's in that battle that Jesus the son of David fought for us and 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 strengthened, he strengthened himself uh, because the father wasn't even there he couldn't even call out to the father to strengthen him all he could say on the cross was my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Gethsemane, his sweat was like blood in his anguish. Uh, and, he, and he had to pray, Lord, let this bitter cup pass me by, yet not my will, but your will be done. So, so he's, the, he's the unrecognized king who, who strengthens himself to lead us into the ultimate battle. Secondly, um, you know, where David had to call the high priest to come and inquire, to help him inquire from the Lord. Jesus is not only the unrecognized king, but he's the ultimate high priest who can inquire from the Lord. 
uh, like I said, we're we're like David's men um, who wanted to stone him. You know, we we we, we respond uh, incorrectly. Um, Jesus um, was the most righteous king who ever lived, but the most righteous king to to not be strengthened by the Lord, and the most holy priest to, to not be answered by the Lord. Remember, he said, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" When he cried out, there was no response. There was no answer. Um. And the interesting thing is, it says in in um, in these verses, um, you know, pursue, you will surely succeed in in this rescue, and at no loss of life in David's case. No one was killed. None of the family members were killed. None of David's men were even killed. And the interesting thing is, Jesus knew that he would succeed in his rescue of us from death. Only if he loses his life, uh, and and the amazing thing was he was willing to do that. He was willing to do that. He loved us so much that he was willing to die in this rescue effort for us. Uh, and then you know another part of the story that points towards Jesus beautifully is you know not only are we like David's men who respond incorrectly, but often we like the Egyptian slave or, or servant. And you know the Malachites often represent the world and and the flesh, and 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 we come from the world and 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 the realm of the flesh. Where in other words, we are also like this Egyptian slave have a a Malachite master, and 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 just like his master dumped him when he was no longer useful. Okay, he became sick. He can no longer carry stuff. In fact, we have to carry him. He's he's not useful to us anymore. Just dump him. You know, just abandon him with no shelter, no food, no no water to drink. Uh, just leave him to die and 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 we also you know we're part of the world uh we, we're basically enemies of god enemies of christ uh raiding his camp opposing him uh and then he finds us abandoned by our master by our worldly master in the in the field and he and like david is kind to us uh he he gives us food and water he takes care of us he nurses us back to health and 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 the amazing thing is our master jesus will not, like a, an earthly master, like a Malachite master, he will not abandon us when we cease to be useful to him. He will nurse us back to health. And even when we are part of the raiding party that, that are part of his enemies, he will show us mercy, he will show us kindness, and he will actually draw us into becoming part of his mighty men. Uh, and that that's part of what makes Jesus such an amazing, amazing master. Uh and um, in that sense, David, you know, partially points towards Jesus. But then the most amazing thing of all is this. You know, in Jesus, in, in David's case, uh, he went, set out with 600 mighty men. 200 were physically not fit enough and strong enough and capable enough to 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 do the full pursuit. You know, they they were exhausted when they get got to this to this brook, and 200 of them stayed behind. And of the 400 that continued, some of them were, you know, as the text said, you know, um, wicked and, and, uh, and, and useless fellows, wicked, wicked and worthless fellows, troublemakers. Not, not everyone, interestingly, who followed David, who here is a type of Christ, were capable and not everyone was, uh, you know, were physically capable and not everyone was morally capable and, and, and qualified and and just like with jesus you know 
his followers are not the people who are necessarily the most capable, the best, the strongest, the most moral. Um, but they, they are those who have received grace. Now, now in contrast to that, I mean, not all of David's mighty men could follow him into battle, but at least 400 went with him. In Jesus' case, when he went into the ultimate battle, no one could follow him into battle. No, None of his followers, none of us had the strength to follow him into this battle, and none of us could help him in this battle. He fought that battle all alone. And when he came back with plunder that he had won, you know, basically plundering death and hell itself, you know, death wears your sting, hell, and getting the keys of, of death and, and Hades, he came back with that plunder. He said, even though I won this battle alone, I am going to share the plunder with all of you. The victory and the plunder of this victory, the spoils of this victory, I'm going to share it all with you. Even though none of you were able to to go into battle, into this battle with me. And even though none of you were able to, to fight this battle with me. Um, and that... When we meditate, that that is the crux of what we need to meditate on. That's why we can, like David, um, you know, admit that we're weak, vent our emotions before the Lord, uh, and then remind ourselves. But but it's this God that we serve, the God who went into battle alone and brought the spoils back and shared it all with us in His grace. Uh, meditate on what are that what that means uh, for us. If if He was willing to give His own life, and you know, I always think of this, you know. Um, this, this Egyptian slave. Uh, you know, when, when I read that, th- that three days and three nights, I thought, you know, Jesus would rather be in the grave for three days and three nights than leave us out, out in the cold with no food and no water f- for three days and three nights when we be servants. In other words, he's a, he's a master that cares so much about us that he would give his own life for us. If he would... If we would give that sacrifice, if we would make that sacrifice for us, if we cared that much about us, then we need to remind ourselves, and this is part of strengthening ourselves in the Lord, remind ourselves, He cares that much about me. Will He not with His life give me everything else that I need? Will He not take care of me? Yes, He might let me go through trouble, but He will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able to bear. And He will not allow in my life uh, anything except what will ultimately work together for my good. Um, and and that's and, and and just pray that into our minds you know, and and our hearts. In other words, the crux, the the heart of the Word of God that we need to uh, remind ourselves of, meditate on, and pray into our hearts, so that we can obey it, is this gospel. This gospel that that Jesus Himself sacrificed Himself, not at the uh, not not at just the danger of His life. Not, not, not just at the threat of his life, but at the cost of his life. He won the greatest victory for us. And then he came back and he insisted on, on, on sharing the spoils with all of us. Even us who stayed behind, who couldn't follow him into battle. And that is, when we meditate on that, that is how we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Because that's the ultimate uh, promise of God. That he'll spare all, share all the spoils with us. Even eternal life. The keys of death and Hades that he that he, that he plundered from hell, um, that 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 he that that, that he showed his, lo- uh, his his love for us beyond the shadow of a doubt. The cross stands as an eternal monument to the love of God, that He'll never leave us or forsake us. So, 
If you feel like that Egyptian slave that had been abandoned and left for dead, know that your master will not forsake you. He will show you kindness, even if you're his enemy. He will show you kindness and he insists on sharing the spoils with you. Meditate on that. Strengthen yourself in the Lord as you think and pray about that. Father God, we just want to thank you that you are so gracious and that... uh, the story that we can read, even the story of David in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, contains the good news of who you are. It points to the good news of who Jesus is, uh, our Lord, and, and, and how what he did for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are such a great master. That even though by most of the world you are still the unrecognized king and the unheralded high priest, you are our king and our high priest. And we love you and we submit to you and we thank you that you gave your life for for us, that you shared the spoils with us and that we can truly trust in you and not be afraid. Even in this time of lockdown with coronavirus, thank you that we can trust in you. Lord, I just pray your blessing and your protection over all your people in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.